Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. And from the end zone, he throws, and it's a flash away, and it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up with the 10, slips a defender, pulls the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, read me on Bleacher Report, hear me on radio.com and intercom terrestrial stations. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. He is NFL vet, Super Bowl champ, Will Blackman. You can also see him on FS1. You can hear him on Fox Radio. You can follow him both at Will Blackman and at the The NFL Wine Wine Guy. The Wine MVP. I switched it up. You're the Wine MVP now. So I am known as the NFL Wine Guy. Okay. okay? But (laughs) I was like, okay, if I start using NFL Wine Guy, I'm sure I might get a letter from the league. Because of mm. the name NFL One Guy, so I was like, you know what? I actually called the the league office and had a conversation. They own everything, the acronym that has to do with the NFL. Aha! That's why you, that's why you see nothing else. This is NFL. So what I could have done? Yeah. I could ha- I could have applied on NFL Biz, almost like I'm applying for a licensing, you know, uh, license agreement, whatever. They will take a look at it. It's this long, drawn out part process, you know, where they might. See, see it beneficial for them as well. So I just was like, you know, I don't want any ties. I don't want any connection. Yeah, that's smart. You know, I don't want to have any percentage or investment. So I'll, I sat with my, with my buddies and um, thought of, okay, the wine MVP. We thought that was like clean, looks great. Yep. I can always refer to myself as the NFI wine guy. Right. But I just can't make a profit off of that name. Right. So though at the wine MVP. Is it? So at the wine MVP. Is this you and I were talking before we started the the recording? Is this some of the business that's been giving you a headache, or is it deeper than that? Because we were talking about yeah having to run our own businesses and you know the the some of the the tasks that you face and the situations yeah, that you have to deal with. That, uh, that if you're working for somebody, when you're working for an, playing for an NFL team, when I was working for ESPN. You know, they they kind of take care of all that other stuff. You just got to perform. Course. 
you just got to show up, yes. right? So it's it's similar in terms of okay, now it's the off season for football, mm. and I'm looking forward to the season, but the training is difficult. But I'm ex- but I'm ex- excited for it. Right. So for this, I'm excited for the wine business to get going, but is, there's a lot of hard work in terms of like doing everything from the ground up. Right. So understood. So the cool thing right now is obviously I have the name, we have the website, we um, I have the, I have the wine like over four thousand SKUs, hmm. and um, yeah, so on, on my site right now there's a, a shopping cart where people can go there and I have like my picks, um, they can buy single bottles and then eventually uh, within the next couple maybe two weeks or so, or right before the Super Bowl I want to say I'll have my wine club up and running and cool. people can people can go and subscribe and. It'd be good. Sweet. We will we will get that going. Uh, speaking of which, and we are we are going to talk about the Conor McGregor, Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight. Uh, we will we will get into uh, Luke Keekley retiring. I want to get your take on where you place him among linebackers, all time linebackers. How do you how do you how do you define the career that he had? And but I. I because you, I was going to go to the uh, the fight first, but because you mentioned that, it just it made me think of something that I know you've experienced, and I just wonder. I've always wondered when when the season is over and you're on the field and you are congratulating or saying hello to guys that you know on the other team, and the season is over. It, it, the to me, the NFL, there's nothing like it because every game is so momentous and the emotion and the phys- everything that you put into it is so tremendous. And even after a regular season game, when you know there's another one, it has to be a different feeling than what the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans are feeling after this run and this monstrous game What's that? What's going through your your head, your heart, when you're on that field or you're in the in the locker room? What's what is what's that like? I, it just I'm trying to picture what what you must be going through and like how Tennessee feels. Like, yeah, how ten, how how the Titans feel, how the well, Green yeah, Bay Packers feel. Yeah, you know, I've been knocked out. You know, the first round before, you know, lost the NFC Championship game before. Uh, I think it's what where what makes football different the NFL is that yes every every single week every single practice every single day matters even back to preseason um OTAs everything matters and and to take it even further your job is on the line every single week you know this is not an 82 game season this is an 162 games where it's like okay you know let's Get guys warmed up. We're developing guys. There is no, there's no minor league. There's no D league. There's, there's none of that. You never feel like you can take your foot off the pedal, ever. And this is it because every single week, these teams are looking to get better. Now, they're looking to improve. Now, every Tuesday, there's a cattle call. You yeah. see a bunch of guys walking. You might see some of your old homeboys. Oh, like, what's up, man? I'm here for. Everyone's here for a workout. You know that. You, you, if you're there in your day off, you see a bunch of guys getting in the shorts and, sh- and shirt because they, they're getting to work out. Um, but yeah, every every single day 
is important and vital. And that's why now you see young quarterbacks playing right away. There's no more sitting. There's no more waiting. There's no more, oh, wait till he develops. There's none of that. That's why I feel like Lamar is getting so much scrutiny right now, Lamar Jackson, because he's having so much success early. They're like, oh, he can't do this. It's like, dude, like 10 years ago, we were like, oh, man, we can't wait to see him when he's 25 because yeah. that's how it was for, for Breeze and Brady and Peyton and Eli, all those guys. Like, wait till he gets – he let him develop. Baker's getting destroyed. A lot of it's his own doing. But, you know, just wait. I saw something startling the other day that Joe Burrows is actually older than Lamar Jackson. Right. Think about that. That, that I, brings home to me – And Lamar left early. Yeah, he should, as he should be. Right, but don't jump to – conclusions in terms of who he is based on what we've seen to this point he lamar already won it's like the fact that he got knocked out the first his first round i understand that but what he did this season he already changed the narrative and proved everybody wrong and when he goes on that podium gets his mvp trophy it's it's going to be a whole different ballgame well there's going to be a lot of people though that are and people are using as a referendum to say the way lamar plays like it was like he's a gimmick essentially is what they're saying is he's a gimmick that he can't sustain this the ravens can't sustain this they want to stay with the tried and true and i guess to a certain extent i've always believed you have to be able to operate out of the pocket you have to have that ability to to be an elite quarterback but i've seen enough from lamar jackson that i believe that he can I, That's I, what I'm saying, I, though. He has something to work on. Yeah. He has something to work on, and it may it may take two years. It may take three years. And guess what? He's still going to be under 25 years old. But it's not. But it's not beyond him. I mean, there's certain guys that you look at and you go, I just don't know if he has it in his bag. Like he can, you can give him two, three more years, and I don't know if 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 he can ever develop that. I thought that about, or I had my doubts about Lamar. Uh, initially in that respect but i don't now i've seen some of the reads and some of the throws that he's made and i'm like yeah there's certain throw like we talked about it a couple podcasts ago about you know his 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 throws on the out routes uh, sideline throws like he was he was floating them i but it's not as if he didn't see it it's not i mean to me if a guy doesn't see the field if he's always checking down because he can't right. see it was a good read but a bad throw yes like you can fix if you're an if he's an athlete if he has any kind of an arm we can fix the throw we can fix like the kind of throw it's supposed to be but if you can't see that the that the that the pass is there or you can't throw a guy open i don't know that you you can acquire that visual understanding i think you can get better but some people just it's everything's too too blurred for them. Well, I, I look at how how Peyton kind of developed his game too. You know, he he came from where he five step drop, seven step drop, and now he became he sat in the shotgun and I'm getting the ball out now. Right. Tom Brady, I'm getting the ball out now. You look at all of Peyton's drills; they're all catch throw, catch throw. Like let me catch it and get the ball to my guys right. now. And this is something he Lamar can develop in terms of whatever part of the game he wants to develop. You know. I became smarter as a player as I understood how to study and how to understand offenses and defenses, and that totally slowed the game down for me. Because when I came into the league, yeah, I was just raw, just an athlete. 
right? I was working so hard to make plays and I didn't really make many plays and I was just diving all over the place. And then once I understood the entire grand scheme of things of football, I was like, man, like this is, this is easier. See, I'm not working as hard. It's so fascinating because, and I, not to bring this on a personal level, but I'm, I'm kind of going through this with my daughter in basketball right now. She is very athletic. She's a great shooter. She's got a good first step. Like she has all the skills, but I don't know that she see, like I, what I've been trying to figure out is how do I teach you the big picture? Like the reason this play is run or what the, the ultimate goal of your overall offense or defense is. And I feel as if like, and my son gets this. Because he was saying, like, when he talks to, like, the coaches talk to him in a way that they don't talk to anybody else. Right. And, but it's because he gets the game plan for them. And then when he's on the floor, he understands what they're trying to accomplish. So if if something else is the thing that needs to be done, he will do it trusting that the coaches aren't going to be mad because he didn't do exactly what they said. Because he understood what their goal was. Right. And so he could make that adjustment and not get into trouble. And uh, my daughter doesn't have that that uh, understanding yet. And and this is the fascinating thing for me. I'm wondering is how much was the coaching, and where like who gave you that? Oh, the the the, the understanding of the big plan. How did you how did you acquire that? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I think I just looked around and I was like, okay, I see guys who maybe aren't practicing as much, guys who aren't doing this, and they're they're making plays. So I was that's why I was like, you know what, let me let me try to figure this film thing out. And then that's when I, you know I, I tell the story and I went and saw Charles Woodson watching film and sat with him. Right. And then when I went to Seattle with Chris Richard, he he taught me he truly taught me like the bigger picture of situational football. Because everybody's fast, everybody's strong, everybody has all those physical attributes. Everybody knows what you're doing. Everyone knows everything about you. So understand the situations because every coach has tendencies in these situations. All these coaches go to the same clinics. All these coaches are part of the same tree, and so it's there's a lot of information in there if you just if you just see it. Um, I want to bring up a point to you. So I look at look at guys in the NBA, right? You take Vince Carter, mm-hmm. right? He's on what year twenty two? Yeah, something uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Gar- Kevin Garnett is like twenty one years. Dirk Nowinski is twenty right. like twenty one years. Kobe twenty. Right. Carmelo played nineteen. John Stockton, Jason Kidd played nineteen. Right. So I, I look at them, and the the thing that stands out is basketball IQ. Right. Right. Because of that. You're able, you're able to play a long time. 
I'm actually going to do uh, an upcoming podcast. I just talked to him because I went to the uh, Warriors Magic game. And uh, I talked to uh, DJ Augustine. Because, see, you've talked about all superstar players. What fascinates me are the guys. Well, go Jason Terry. Jason Terry, another example. Yeah. But But even Jason Terry has a certain amount of size. Right, DJ Augustine is an undersized for today's game. Is an undersized point guard. Uh, Fred Van Vliet up in uh, Toronto, Toronto. I would put in the same category. And I talked to DJ because I wanted to find out. Like the game has become so athletic, and the athletes have become so uh, dynamic. I feel as if, like you, you look at it and you go, "Well, why is DJ Augustine?" still in the in the league why is matthew della vadova still in the league like right they're not you know they're six JJ two Barrera, six three right? they don't yeah they don't jump out of the gym like what is it and i what i do know is that if you understand the game especially become it's become so athletic and straight line that it's actually now an advantage for you that overcomes whatever physical shortcomings you may have i mean he started playing in 2008 he's 32 33 years old what's he listed as height wise he's listed as 511 183 pounds so he's got a double digit career and you got other guys that are 6 8 40 inch vert and wing seven foot wingspan and they can't last two seasons in the league Right, a famous quote from Kevin Mathis, cornerback, played for the Falcons. He, he, uh, D'Angelo Hall told me this story. He said, D'Angelo Hall said, Kevin told me this. He said, D'Angelo Hall, you may run a 4-1 or a 4-2. He said, and I run like a 4-6, right? He goes, but I guarantee you this, that I'll get to that spot before you do. Because I know what's coming. And ever since he said, ever since he said the D Hall, D Hall thought about that and was like, okay, I need to start watching some tape. <laughs> right. Uh, the I thought you were gonna say the the famous quote by one Will Blackman. There's a lot of four threes on the street. That, that there is a lot of four threes. To your point. <laughs> no. My son, my, my, my son calls uh, tall basketball plays. He calls them lanky ducks. There's a lot of lanky ducks on the street, bro. <laughs> so speaking, yeah, speaking of of um. Guys who understood the situation of football, you mentioned about uh, Keekley. Yes. Um, he was just – he was one of those guys where literally he sat the line of scrimmage and he knew your offense better than you did. Really? Huh. <laughs> how <laughs> like, was now, – now, how was he athletically? He was a 4-5 guy. Okay. He ran 4-5 at the combine, which was like un- unbelievable. Yeah. For that, for his size, for a linebacker. For a linebacker, yeah. for anybody, but yeah, for a linebacker. So combination, combination, athleticism, and uh, football IQ. He was as advertised. He had he led the he led college football in tackles, entered the NFL, led the NFL in tackles. Yeah. One defense played a year in college. Go to the NFL. One defense played a year in the NFL. Is he first ballot Hall of Famer? 
Like, how do you how do you gate? How do you? No, my my initial my initial reaction was like, yes, he is. Yeah. But maybe and he'll get in for sure. But is he first ballot? You know, did he did he change the game? I think it was a matter of him and Bobby Wagner were kind of like neck and neck, right? Bobby has the advantage because you know he one he's still playing and Bobby has a Super Bowl ring, right? You know, so I think Bobby is playing himself to be that first ballot guy because they were if they were gonna go if they retired at the same time they were going in the Hall of Fame together. So I think maybe maybe he's not first ballot after after I think about it, but I just feel like uh, he was he was such an important piece to that organization for such a long time. But it was just unfortunate how they came up short several times. Do you know how he he wound up at Boston College? Because we always get them natty guys. Oh, is that right? There's a natty train. <laughs> yeah. There's a natty I pipeline. He, I think he. I think he went to. Uh, he went to Xavier. Went to Xavier. Saint yeah. Xavier. We, we get the Saint. We get the Saint X and the Elder. Uh, elder oh, you guy, do. Man. You got the. You got yeah. the hookup. Yeah, that's how it is. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I almost went. I almost transferred to Saint X. Did you? To play soccer with his dad. I know I'm aging myself on this. But uh, his dad and I played from my dad coming up as, you know, just AYSO. And then we competed against each other in high school and in club soccer. Uh, his dad was dad was a goalkeeper and was was built to be a football player. <laughs> like when when Luke That's came funny. along, I was like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, his my, dad probably uh... should have been. My roommate went to Elder. Huh. Yeah. Kyle Rudolph went to Elder. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. yep. All right. So um, what do want to ask you, just in, in watching the, the two games, the conference championship games, was there anything that Green Bay could have done different that might have resulted in a different outcome? Oh, not not really, man. I I felt like Green Bay did not have a chance at all. Yeah, I understand, I understand they started making plays at the end, but it was just it, they had there was no chance. I felt like just overall, just San Fran just had way too much across the board at every single position. I, I agree. Uh, a combination of home field advantage and just being and just having more more weapons on both sides of the ball. I felt the same with Kansas City. Like I thought Tennessee came out and and basically did what they had to do, but they there wasn't a way for them to sustain it. It was I the only thing I, I thought was okay, if they can somehow slow it down and just physically beat Kansas City up, but the speed of the Chiefs and the matchups and then and then Mahomes, like it just, it was too much. Like, I don't know if you saw something different. If you thought that there was a game plan or an approach that the Titans could have changed it. But I thought I thought they basically did as much as they could have done too. I felt like Tennessee should have, they, they, they had to really bring their legit A, a game. Um, and you don't this think what, they did? I don't think they did. Because everyone and their mama know, like, you're going to run the ball. You're going to get to Derrick Henry. You're going to run the football. Right. And we are truly going to see if Tannehill 
can beat us. Yes. And I felt like they almost like they left their pass plays back in Tennessee. Yes. That's what it looked like. And they didn't utilize everybody. They didn't try to be creative. It was like, we're going to, like everyone says, we're not going to change. We're going to do what we do. Yes. Do what you do, but also you can't just throw a fastball every single time. So to that end, there was a, uh, there was a play at the, it was a fourth down play by the Titans and the uh, the Chiefs used their goal line stand defense to stop the play. They lined everybody up on the line of scrimmage and and squeezed it, and they stopped it. If you're, shouldn't they have checked out of that? I mean, it was a running play. I, I understand this is what we do. This is who we are. We can beat you doing what we do, and it's a short short yardage situation but I just felt like that was a moment where Tannehill needed to check out of that and they needed to go over the top and and go for the big play in that moment am I am I being naive and thinking that am I taking is there something that I'm not taking into consideration no but that's my whole point there were no there were no adjustments yeah there was there was not do you know the play I'm talking about there was one where it was they went empty and it was cover zero and everyone was was at the line of scrimmage. Yes. And there was no safety at all. And it was in the middle of the field. Is that the one I got batted down by Suggs? Uh, no, there it was, was a one... running play. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, yes, I do remember that. There was one, though, where it was empty and it was cover zero. Yes, and, I and remember he threw that too. A, and he threw a slant. Yes. It almost got picked off. Yes. And I felt yeah, that... like, like Mahomes was seeing so, that. Mahomes was he was he was in in the zone, like he is absolutely in the zone, fearless. Especially he won he already won MVP. Yeah. Okay, so confidence is is through the roof. That's the one thing. If if you're in any professional sports, once a player reaches a level of confidence where he's like, "Damn, dude!" Like, it's all it's all fair game now. It's all fair game. I saw that with Victor Cruz, undrafted guy, and started getting reps in games and was making massive plays and started doing the salsa and it was a wrap. (laughs) It was a wrap. I've always felt that way about Aaron Rodgers. And today I saw Rodgers falter in a way like I'm not, not putting it all on him, but in general, if you gave me the, the scope of a, a green Bay Packers performance, I would generally say, well, Rodgers made them better than they than they are, or he. But well, that's and, just, and even that's if he threw by, a pick or whatever. That's just by nature. That's just by nature. Here's here's if I can say anything about Aaron, I, and I love Aaron, man. But it's just that, like I'm I'm not a big rah rah guy either. Like I wasn't the type where I was loud or whatever. I would go to guys in confidence and and talk to them here and there, or if they reached out to me. But it's like you. <laughs> You don't you don't see him, you know, going up and down the sideline like talking to guys individually. Yeah. Or, I feel like guys just naturally try to play better because they know they have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. As opposed to like so as opposed to like um. Just does he elevate like everybody's game like a, you know, like how Brady would go up and down or, or even Mahomes. He's talking to everybody. He's like, come on, man. Or Russell Wilson talking to everybody. 
um, just just really trying to elevate and for like for real get the best out of everybody. I know that's not his personality. That's not his type. Um, I, I look. This is this is gonna sound really like novice whatever, but I I look back my high school career. Okay, this is a different different level. My high school career, and I did not win a title in high school, and I was a type where. You mean like I, not a league title, not a cha- not a city title, not, not a state, not a state title. Oh, not a state title. Okay. Yeah, and I look at it like, and there's probably only like ten teams in our state anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I look at it like um, I did my job. I'm a lead by example. Like you, you guys need to like just follow suit. Hmm. As opposed to, I I wish I went around individually and got the best out of the worst player, whoever that was. Yeah. Like truly, just. Just help them be the best they could be, where they truly level up. Because that's the only way. If he if he was able to maximize every single person, but that's the only way that that would have happened. But there's there like to to for you not to have that in high school to me is kind of understandable. There are kids that do have it, and I'm always amazed by them. They have no, that maturity my, and that my understanding. Point, my point is though is just to as as the leader of, of the guy or the face of the team to. Right. To know what you have, he has Devontae Adams, and that's it. Right. And, and Aaron Jones. And other than that, it's you know he's trying to figure it out. So to that Bobby, to that end, yeah. that means that it's more incumbent on him that he go around and try to lift guys up. But that's but that's not him. Yes. And by the way, there's there's been a some heat going on on Twitter. By the way. About what? So Darrell Revis. Yeah. Took a picture of Sherm trailing Devontae Adams and said, Fear of getting beat in man to man coverage. Every snap, every play, the fact that he doesn't travel as a cornerback is lame. Accept the challenge, accept the challenge as the best and shut down. Adams shut down as the entire game. Do it for the game of the football. Stop hiding a cover three zone. Basically calling Sherman a zone corner. Right. Like put it on Twitter and is blasting Sherman right now. And Sherman's response: I would go in on this, um, but I have a Super Bowl to prepare for. Enjoy the view from the couch. <laughs> Your ninth year looked a lot different than this. <laughs> wow, I will say this: Richard Sherman coming back and playing the way he has. I don't care how you define what he's done with the Forty ers That he came back from a torn Achilles to play cornerback in the NFL. I didn't expect it to I didn't not expect to see it happen. I'll be honest. I just thought with that injury and what that position demands that and I get being smart and all that, but there is a certain requisite athleticism you have to have. And I've seen guys who have torn their Achilles like it he is a a mir- it's a miraculous comeback in my mind. I don't know how you but feel because, about it. But- because, because he understands football. That was my whole point. Like He's so smart that you don't have to work as hard because you know what's going on. Right. And also, and also, also too, he, he trained his bind off and he rehabbed a lot. There's, there's so much technology and, and, and studies and advancement and you know rehab to get yourself better. Like a guy tears an ACL, that's like a cold now. Right. And, and an Achilles is not necessarily a death now. It's not no. Yeah. You can come back and, and and be okay. Yeah. If if you if you you know rehab it correctly, that's the whole deal. You know how I keep my Achilles in good shape? 
Let me hear. I found this app. It's called Cyclecast. And I was basically, I was, I was bored with my workouts. I needed something. And I've generally been a self-starter, but I wanted, I wanted something that was going to keep me motivated and that was going to basically provide me playlists as well and different workout routines. And I found that with Cyclecast. It's an app that provides studio quality classes for both indoor cycling and running workouts. And uh, you've got a, a, an array of instructors. You got new music all the time. Uh, it's uh, a ridiculously low monthly subscription, but you don't have to pay that. You just put the app on your iOS or Android phone. It uses minimal battery and data. And if you use the promo code Bucher, B-U-C-H-E-R, you will be eligible for five free weeks. They normally give you a seven-day free trial. If you use the promo code Bucher, you'll get five weeks to check it out. If you're, you need running workouts, any kind of bike, whatever it is, check out Cyclecast and tell them that we sent you and use our promo code. You're going to love where this app takes you. All right. Uh, so I want to get back to the question I had, which you really didn't answer, which is being on the field or maybe it's in the locker room or maybe it's driving home. But that, what is that? What is your emotional state after this huge crescendo to a playoff game, to the entire season building to this moment? And now you're, you're done and you're out. What what do you do next? What do you do with yourself? What's going on with your body? Um I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not so, like delivering the mail. It's not I mean No, nah, no, that's how that's how it was. That I just all right, it happened. It's over with. There's nothing we can do about it. I wasn't dude, especially after tough losses, I was not the type to to be on the field and to look around and to like sulk and cry. Yeah, I hated losing, okay. but it's like there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Okay. You know, there's. I remember after we lost to the Giants um, in 2016 to get into the playoffs. Like they were already in. They didn't even need that game. They just beat us and kept us out. Right. And I interviewed uh, with the with NBC, and they go. They were asking me just about what have we, what should have we done, what was it like for the year, and how long is it going to take you to get over it? Right. And I was like, I'll probably, I'll, I'll be over it when I wake up tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'll, not, like, I'll, not I'll, what I'll, they, not what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear something far more dramatic. Oh, but that, but that's just what it is. I just, I do, I dealt with so many tough losses in football, um, and. Yes, we worked hard and we did that and we assessed, but it's like, okay, season's over. Go home, get my stuff. Usually, you know, I, I, will, I will go back to California and then it is, it is what it is. You have your exit meetings with the coaches and you talk about it. But emotionally for me, I, w- I was able to withstand a lot and be okay. So I, I this and I asked this just because it all – like I, this doesn't necessarily surprise me that that would be the case for you. It is for the guys. Can I tell you, can that, I tell you where, it's, where it came from? Probably. Yeah. My my assumption is where it came from, and I'm getting a little I'm getting personal here. Is so I, I lost my mother at a young age. Right. I lost my mother when I was around six years old. Hmm. And from that, the next day, 
like there, there was no grieving. My dad went to work. I went to school. My brother went to school. And that was that. Hmm. You know? So I feel like over time, if in sports, if I dealt with like a, a loss, yeah, it was a tough loss, but it's like, hey, man, it happened. Yeah. All right, let's move on and, you know, pack up and go. Well, so and I'm, you dealt with something far more tragic yeah. than losing a game. Well, yeah. Or having I mean, a season have, come to an end. I, I know that in the back of my mind. I never compare like, oh, it's just a game. No, the game right. is important because right. I, I love football and I put everything into it. And that's why after having all after nine surgeries, I kept playing. I kept playing. I kept playing. Like they got my friends like, man, you need to retire. I'm like, no, I just love playing football. I love the ups and downs. I love the positives and the negatives. I've been at the highest. I won the Super Bowl. I've been at the lowest where I had – I tore my knee and lost – you know, millions of dollars. I I dealt with both. You know, hmm. missed. I've been out a year of football. I did. I did all that. So, um, but no, that I. You do look at it. And you're like, damn, dude. Like we we could have done more. Or we could have done this. But I was, I was one of those cerebral guys who understood why, where we were at. Right. I always look at myself first. Like, man, what could I? What could I? I have done differently. Yeah. Even even when I got even if I got released from a team. Even if I knew, like, the team was dead wrong. Like, when the Redskins cut me in 2017, I was like, this is terrible. Because the guys that they picked to stay, none of those guys aren't even there anymore. Yeah. Which was, which was my point to begin with. And so I thought they were dead wrong from, a, from that, from a business standpoint. But I look at myself and I'm like, okay, that PBU, that could have been an interception. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I, I could have done this. I could have, if I thudded somebody up, I could have probably gave him a stronger pop. I could have showed up at, you know, instead of like eight seven fifty nine, I could have showed up at seven fifty. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're grading. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I just f- football being as intense. I'm the worst person to ask the question about. Yes, right? I know. <laughs> I I I've discovered that now. But it's just. But it has always struck me that the game is as emotional and violent and physical as it is. And then I see guys on the field afterward. Hey, how you doing? Like it. it, Oh, like, okay. Like, okay. With the loss. Okay. With the loss and immediately on to kind of a fraternizing thing, which even if I had friends on the other side, I don't know that right after that heated battle, is a time that I'm just going to be really chummy. Not that I'm all broken up, but saying I, it would feel insincere to me to like to chat it up and go to dinner and do all that because my it's a, mind is still but it's be a res- on the job. But it's a respectful battle. And it's I would just, imagine some of it too is it's not guys... I, like I don't see guys who are necessarily... It's usually... Guys who know each other, know guys on the other defensive <laughs> side of the ball, right? They haven't necessarily been going head to head in the battle. Right. They're friends, but not necessarily they've been checking each other. It's not like you know Odell well, and Josh Norman are going to dap it up after sometimes. a game. You'll see guys on special teams if you're on defense sometimes, or um, but but there you see that especially you'll see it in any combat sport though. You know, I get like I get in certain sports where you may not see it, but where a sport where you are physically 
hitting another person yes. because that is the point. Yes. It's like you go over and you say what's up because it's like I understand what you did to get here. I right. understand what you're going through. Right. That's why after every boxing match, the guys hug. Yes. It's like the guys just slogged it out. Yes. And they're hugging. That's a really good point. That's you a know? really that's a really good point. It's kind of like, yeah, go ahead. And, and, well, and it goes to what we just saw with Conor McGregor and, and Donald Cerrone. Which, by the way, from like beginning to end, like even pre-fight, I've never seen two guys who expressed so much mutual admiration and respect than these two guys from start to finish. What do you make of that? Um, so here's the thing with, with Conor. Conor respects. He knows how to sell a fight. Yes. Okay, for sure. He knows how to sell a fight, and this is where I truly gain a lot of respect for Connor. Is after his loss to to Diaz, when he lost his, when he lost to Diaz, he 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 at his post interview, it was like I think four minutes long, and literally said, you know, he gave all the credit to him. He took the loss like a man. I should I should have done this better. I did this wrong. He he's a great guy. He he did this. He did, like gave him so much credit. It was no. He was a humble man. He was like sometimes he understood like sometimes champions get humble. Sometimes if you're doing this, you get humbled, and you know everyone takes their losses. He's gonna come back stronger, and he didn't. I mean, took it like a like a real champ, man, and and it was super cool. And he does respect the art. He does respect every opponent because he did. He he came from the ground up, you know, right, and, and earned everything he's got, and so. I think he, Connor, t- when he took all that time off, it was just a lot of reflecting for him to figure out like who he is, what he's about, and I, and he understands Cowboy Cerrone. So he's it's, Cowboy Cerrone's been in the game for a while. My wife and I actually watched him when he was in the WEC. We saw a fight in 2009. I remember we were in Milwaukee and we watched him huh. uh, in the WEC. He was fighting Ben Henderson, and so I, I was I was very familiar with him. He's he's been in the game for a long time. Respect the guy. Um, but yeah, what do you make of the at the fight, uh, Tom Brady and the owner of the Oakland Raiders, Mark Davis? Uh, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. Right. Uh, chumming, getting chumming it up. Have you have you been to a fight before? I I'm trying to think. Yes, I like have. A box, a box yes, I saw. Or uh, I've seen Andre. I saw Andre Ward in Oakland. And, and you sat like floor area or yes. Okay, so between fights. What happens? People stand up yeah, and start and mingling. Yeah. yeah. Everybody that's, says hello. That's it. Shoot the breeze. Yeah. I mean, Brady's probably you know, probably the greatest of all time and is he's been in the NFL for forever. Right. As so has like, Mark. Every, through his right. Everybody, everybody knows each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So you're not you're not reading any more into no. people made a big deal out of that photo. Right. No, I'm with you. He's, he's with talking you. and he's going, listen, no, like, guys, everyone talks. Everyone stands up, talks, hey, how you doing, takes pictures. It's like, come on now. So here's the thing with McGregor and the win and the, the punishing shoulder shots. Everybody immediately presented that as a strategy, an element that Connor unleashed. I'm not buying it. I think that was instinct. It was instinct, dude. If, okay, if you here's the thing: I watch so much, so many uh, UFC events, mixed martial arts. When guys are in the clinch, and their their arms are tied up, that that shoulder thing is a natural thing. Yes. 
Everybody what? does the shoulder thing. Like that's such a it's a it's a natural move. It's just the fact that he did it and broke somebody's nose. Right. Right. That's why the shoulder hit the shoulder jab or whatever always existed. It is not something new or come on now, guys cut it out. Yeah. I, it bothered me no. that it was like, oh, he discovered so no one's thought of it. I'm like, yeah, in because a situation, nobody watched it. What's that? Because nobody watches UFC. Yeah. Those, well, those, but no, no, but these were the no, these those were, people, these were the broadcasters. Is, listen, those people who I feel like the people who no, Joe Rogan needs to cut it out, and and I know John uh, Anik too. They need to stop if that's what they were saying because that's such a natural move that's going on. The fact that. But they had to they had to talk it up too because you're educating the fans too. So a lot of people because Connor was fighting, a lot of people tuned in, so they think it's a new move, but it's not. Right. And I and I, honestly, the, guy, the guys that are good at Muay Thai, like yeah. that's a that's a move that they use when they're in the clinch. They just they could they do that just to get extra shots in. Actually, it's an element we had in soccer. You could you could pass the ball that way. And if you hit it high enough, because the 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 handball's supposed to be below the sleeve. So if you hit it on your shoulder, like you hit it like this, that's a legal play. That's not a handball. We used to you do that. I mean, it's just there's there's tricks to the trade, and, and this was I, that's what really bothered me. And I'm not even sure, like even in the moment, I think he just saw. Like I get the sense that in MMA, when you get into those clinches, you're just looking to try to do damage with some body part that's free. Where you can clock the guy, and it might be your shoulder, it might be your elbow, it might be your forearm, but you're looking for a way to make contact and to do damage. Not like I'm coming up with a special like move or striking object. It's all good, right? It's that's what's right. what MMA is. Right. There's a, there's a term they use called dirty boxing. It's like when you're tied up in a clinch, you just start throwing like little pepper shots to right. just hit them, like dirty boxing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. All right. Glad we cleared that up. And that should do it. I think we covered everything. I think so. In our When you and I get together next, we're going to talk about kind of the run-up to the Super Bowl. And Are you how, going? Uh, no, no. I I have in the past, but I'm not going to this one. My my I got I got NBA stuff I'm buried in, and I have to go down to FS1 and do some TV because now that football is on the wane, NBA begins to take center stage. So yours truly will be getting more TV time. Very nice. Yeah, there you go. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker and Blackman. In our next episode, I'll be joined by Ryan Hollins. We've got the trade deadline just around the corner. Talk about the Kyle Kuzma situation with the Lakers, along with Darren Collison and Andre Iguodala, and we have to talk about John Morant. I will say this, Will, this is what I loved about uh, Mahomes doing what he did, Patrick Mahomes doing what he did. And this is what I love about social media is that you got to see like John Morant and other great players from other sports acknowledging what Mahomes was doing. It's seeing other guys who are special, recognizing other guys who are special is, is that's a fun part for me. That's, that's feel like you're in the room seeing guys tip their cap to each other. I like being I like seeing that and 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 experiencing that.
All right. That does it. So Ryan is in the next one. Don't forget, uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And then if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker Friends. Don't forget CycleCast, promo code Buker. Go get your five free weeks and get in shape. All right. For Will and myself, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.